Thanks for tuning in to the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. In today's bonus episode, I have the good fortune of speaking with legal talent management expert, Dal Bethal, about the current state of the legal job market and how best to navigate it. Dal's a former practicing lawyer, sought-after speaker, and managing partner at the Council Network, one of Canada's most respected legal recruitment firms. Dal's also particularly passionate about issues related to women in law and diversity, equity, and inclusion in the profession. She's involved with two minority-based associations, Saba Toronto and the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers, and the Council Network is one of the founding partners of the Women in Law Leadership Awards. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Al. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here. Um, I'm sure you are very much in demand these days with the volatile uh, legal job market. And I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit and get a sense of what's really happening out there. Yes, um, let's say it's definitely been and, and continues to be very busy with a with a lot going on and a lot of questions and uncertainty. I think, uh, you know, at the beginning of this pandemic, um, I think we were all hearing the word um, unprecedented, <laughs> if, you know, five or ten times a day. And I think about sort of three weeks into it, I said, OK, I'm not saying that word today, you know, or, or from this point onward. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is happening in general with the firms and legal departments and various uh, corporations that employ uh, in-house counsel? How are they how are they responding? Yeah, it's, um, you know, when we first went into the lockdown, I mean, obviously it was a shock for everybody and there was uh, uh, a lot, we all had to react to a situation that we hadn't dealt with and on both a personal and a professional level. And I think from the legal profession's perspective, whether it was law firms and, and legal departments, um, you know, the first priority for everybody was to say, okay, we, we've got to set our employees up to work from home. Um, and, and that's, a lot not just from a technology perspective but being able to manage individuals make sure the workflow is still going on keeping communication alive um, and and also just making sure everybody was okay so i think when we went into lockdown there was there was a lot of the focus was really on that and then we've all heard of you know zoom fatigue and everybody trying to keep in touch with each other and 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 then getting tired because it it is tiring when you're looking at a screen sometimes with you know um for hours during the day with with lots of people on Um, and so that was really the focus and from a work perspective um it was it was hard for legal departments and, and particularly law firms to predict what it was going to be like. I mean, I think some and many probably felt that, you know, things just going to come to a complete stop. Hmm. And, you know, is the work going to stop? And it it really hasn't. Um, And what we've seen over the last sort of couple of months is that um, I think, you know, a lot of the firms, particularly the larger firms, would report that, you know, there, there has been a slowdown. Some would say that it would be sort of 10%, others would say around 30%. But, you know, some of those firms are not saying that, look, everybody's sitting here twiddling their, their thumbs. And and I think um, that's been reassuring for the last couple of 
of months. Um, and I think the focus for a lot of firms and legal departments has been on how do we retain, ensure that we retain our employees and our staff. We want to keep everybody. And so that's definitely been a focus, I think, particularly for managing partners, executives and general counsel and, and those that are leading legal departments. Um, so, so that's really where the, the focus has been. Um, and, you know, we have seen some practice areas that have picked up um, or, or, you know, continue to be busy. I think ones that we've heard of the most of labor and employment for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, regulatory has, has definitely uh, increased. Um, and that's sort of partly due to the fact that many companies had to, you know, became involved in, for example, manufacturing companies may become involved in um, PPE and manufacturing those compared to what they were doing before we've all heard the hand sanitizer story mm -hmm. and distilleries moving into that. So that, that's definitely increased the regulatory work, including companies now um, exporting to other companies or importing. So, so, you know, the regulatory work has definitely increased. Um, and then, um, you know, we're also, we, we did see a downturn and, and you know, it, it seemed to be a sharp downturn, but I think it was a continuation of a downturn in, in capital markets and particularly for those practice groups and areas of law firms that were um, focused and their large, you know, had been doing a lot of cannabis related work. Mm -hmm. Cannabis started to slow down before the pandemic. And so, that slowdown continued and probably was exacerbated by it. So we've seen sort of slowdown more on the capital markets and also on some of the corporate work over the last sort of few months. Right. And how have the firms reacted to that? Are people starting to shift practice areas or are they reducing compensation? I mean, I've heard of some of the larger firms reducing compensation or even laying off um, temporarily lawyers and staff. Is that something you're seeing a lot of? Yeah, I, I think um, absolutely. Um, and I wouldn't say a lot of, it's, it's something that we're seeing. Um, and you're right, we have seen reductions in compensation at some firms. Um, you know, some have maintained compensation, not not reduced it, but we've seen um, many that have reduced 10 to 15%. Um, and where we've seen layoffs, I think we've seen them more at the smaller firms. Those firms that it was it was tough just given the small you know the, the bigger impact on a smaller firm. So we have seen more temporary layoffs at the smaller firms than the larger firms. Um, and as for legal departments, we haven't seen significant layoffs. Um, and we've seen sort of some here or there. I think sometimes, and um, you know, similar to the 2008 financial crisis, it gives companies an opportunity to looked and, and sort of become more efficient and figure out where they can cut. So some will take that opportunity to do that, but we really haven't seen significant layoffs in, in legal departments. Hmm. Well, that's good news. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, the other thing is, is that um, we've got to bear in mind too, is that last year, 2019 was, was a very busy year. I think for everybody in the legal profession, um, 2020, the beginning was was very busy, and then all of a sudden, mid March hit, and then we went into to lockdown. So it, you know, seemed to things 
changed dramatically. But there was a lot of work that was already in the pipeline that was continuing. So the feedback we were getting and, and continue to get is that that sort of work continued. It didn't stop. It continued. There might be a bit of a slowdown. Companies may put transactions on hold. They may do more of a wait and see um, kind of approach to things, but it wasn't a complete stop. So all that work in the pipeline, you know, has been sort of making its way through over the last sort of few months. I think what remains to be seen is, um, you know, going forward July and August, which are usually slower months because of the summer in any event. Um, so it remains to be seen seeing if that work's going to kind of carry through or if, if um, firms and departments have sort of filled their plates during that period of time to, to continue with you know, new work that emerges, which is usually what happens. So I think there's some uncertainty in the, the coming months. Um, not saying that it's anything to be concerned, overly concerned about, but I think you know these last few months, it, it's been more sort of work that's been in the pipe in the beginning of the year and from last year continuing. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because you know, if you read mainstream news, uh, you get the complete opposite impression. So it's really yeah, yeah good to hear that. Uh, we talked about people who are being laid off, and I'm thinking about the other end. Is anyone hiring? Yes, <laughs> that's the other interesting thing is that the volume of hiring compared to last year, um, it's not as high sure that that's um you know that can be easily stated but um firms and legal departments particularly are continuing to hire and uh, and, and these are either busy practices some that i've mentioned you know labor employment regulatory litigation many firms are getting ready for uh, you know increased litigation bankruptcy insolvency work class actions and um, that's an area that's starting to definitely grow um, and, and you know firms in particular are getting ready for those sort of growth areas um, and then there are also areas that um, you know law firms in particular would look at and sort of may have thought about strategically um, you know growing and increasing um, or for other reasons like succession. And um, and so those particular areas, those sort of key areas for firms, um, they're, you know, after the first couple of months of, of shock for everybody, they're definitely coming online and saying, okay, as part of our uh, strategic growth, you know, here are some areas that we need to build and grow, and it's a good time to do that. Um, and so there is some of that recruitment taking place. We've also found on the in-house side of things, um, there are companies that are continuing. And, and so, you know, we we have been instructed on new searches through this period of time, both on the in-house side and private practice. Um, but I would say that, uh, you know, there are quite a few in the um, the in-house side of, of things where I, where they're saying, look, we're, we're busy. We had, uh, um, you know, budgeted for another individual to join us. And I think we go ahead and do the search. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, we are sort of seeing that. Again, I, I would add that it's not the volume that we would have seen had we not had this pandemic, but definitely the recruiting is taking place. Mm-hmm. So if someone were to search today, um, would the opportunities that are showing be real opportunities or have some of those uh, searches been on, put on hold? And if so, how would a, a candidate know that? Yeah, that, that's a really good question um, because and, and I think because of the uncertainty, what we have seen is um, 
opportunities starting um, and then you know through the search and um, the company or the firm may decide that um, you know we thought the need was, um, was much more um, urgent um, we're kind of managing and dealing with it we still want to hire um, but you know bringing the person on we should perhaps wait until September, for example. Um, and so things can change through the course of the search. And so, um, you know, it, it is difficult to tell. I mean, if you're looking online, if someone's looking online for opportunities, you can usually tell when the position was posted. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and then if it's been quite a while um, and it's been several months, they may just not have taken the posting down. Um, if it's for a short period of time, it's likely um, that uh, they they're actually are actively recruiting for that role. Um, I wouldn't take anything for for granted just because of the um, or read anything into it just because I think of the uncertainty and it's always worth following up, always right. checking in for that posting and saying, are you still recruiting? Are you are you still actively recruiting? Um, but most you know do post positions they're actively that have been recruited for. It may just be they've forgotten to take it down if they stopped or they've hired somebody or they've put it on hold. Right, so right. that's the thing to double check. Okay, that's super helpful. Uh, yeah, because it can be quite confusing. Uh, yeah, and I'm just thinking about um, something else that could be confusing. Uh, articling students that... Um, you know, are waiting to know if, if they've been hired back, or I suppose the numbers are in at this point um, for the uh, for the hire backs. Mm. Yeah, I think most of them are in now, um, and uh, and it's interesting because I think you know um, we all sort of look at those hire backs as an indicator of how busy firms are, and and uh, and, and look at those numbers for those reasons, as well as obviously concern as to you know and making sure that people are, are being uh, kept on but um the, the numbers uh, you know across the country the numbers are varied and uh, and it's and, and i should have mentioned earlier you know the market that's really not faring well is calgary i mean that's uh, just given what's been happening in their pre-pandemic with the oil and gas crisis that's a market that's still not doing well. And, and I think it's just now this the whole sort of uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic has, has um, compounded that. So we have seen that the numbers in Calgary are, are not as good as other markets. Mm. Um, but uh, in, in Toronto and Vancouver, what we saw uh, this year is that, um, and, and probably there's an expectation that the high back wouldn't be that good. In 2008, for example, the numbers were not that good, and, and we sort of expected them to have come out similar to 2008, but they've actually been better than 2008, the high back. Mm. Um, and they're not that far off from last year. And, and previous years, sort of recent years, um, you know, if you and, and these are the main firms. If you look at the larger firms, they're the ones that usually report the stats and, and, and send out information you hear about sort of uh, quickly rather than some of the sort of smaller firms. Um, but what we've seen is that uh, with with higher backs, um, there's not as much of a, a drop off. So the, the higher back rates are still fairly good. And we haven't seen a significant difference from last year. As I said, Vancouver and uh, and Toronto definitely that that's the case. Calgary, there's a there's a drop off. 
Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's reassuring and, and contrary to what, uh, you know, the news reports are indicating. So I'm, I'm so glad we're talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's tough. I mean, I, I think, um, and especially for art students, I mean, I, be honest with you, I was called to the bar many, 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 many years ago um, in the UK, and that's where this accent comes from. But, uh, you know, that was back in, uh, but I still remember, you know, that sort of angst that you have when you're waiting to hear back from your firm as to whether or not you've been hired back. And if you're waiting to hear back in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, you fear the worst, right? So, um, yeah, that that sort of memory of, of waiting to hear back on those results is still fresh in my mind, although it was years ago. <laughs> uh, I remember that well as well. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, what you might um, suggest to those articling students who weren't hired back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's a tough situation, right? I do appreciate that. And after all the time and effort and energy and hard work that's been put in and in terms of the education aspect and then going through articles and, you know, you, you, that's the point that you, you do all that for thinking, you know, you, you'll be kept on and then you can start sort of the next phase of your career. So if you're not hired back, it, it's tough. Um, but I would say that you know, everyone has to remember um, that, uh, and I did say at the outset, I try not to use the word, but I'm going to use it. This is <laughs> unprecedented. Um, you know, we're dealing with a worldwide crisis. Um, it's, it's obviously anybody going, not being kept on, will face a lot of different emotions coupled with everything else that's going on, whether it's, you know, feeling denial or upset or depression, anger, um, you know, some may feel some hope and it, it, it's a tough situation. So first of all, you got to deal with those emotions and it can be overwhelming and, and stressful but you know everybody is going to remember that 2020 was the year that COVID hit hmm. similarly 2008 we don't forget 2008 and, and students that were not kept on and the numbers were not were not good at all in that year um, you know you only had to say it was 2008 and everyone said oh yeah of course it was, it was, you know, the financial crisis, things were bad. And so uh, we will, everyone will remember that. And so, you know, I think it's important for any of those individuals to remember that this is not going to impact your career forever. It's not fatal. It is a blip. You're going to have to work hard to find, um, you know, the, the next position. But at the end of the day, it, it is a blip. And it won't determine how successful you are going to be in your career. So I think those are the first things to 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 remember. And and you know, we've heard a lot and read a lot about uh, resilience and and so forth. And and you know, it's important that you know we know that look, we can't control the situation. It, it, it you know all we can do is control our reaction to it. So as I said, it's important to remember that and put that into context. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and then, um, you know, and deal with the emotions because it's, it's, it's not pleasant. Um, and then, you know, what I recommend, and this is what I recommend for, for individuals that are looking for a career change, looking to um, move to a different role or, or not sure what they want to do, you know, and these, so these are always practical steps. And I think it's important for students to do this, even though that their professional career may be very short, it's still important to 
really step back and, and evaluate where they are in their career. Sort of, you know, critically assess sort of the personal work-related skills and interests and, and consider what's missing. Now, obviously, at that stage of the career, what's missing is technical experience and more experience. But in addition to that, doing that sort of assessment, really figuring out, um, you know, what skills you have, where you think you want to go, what you enjoy doing, what your interests are. Um, and, and, you know, the closer you can match your personal and professional, the happier you'll be in your career. Mm-hmm. So always, you know, sort of start with that. And, and in, in a way, you've almost got to put COVID out of it. And, and you've got to also, you know, not, not sort of jump immediately to say, okay, where are the positions? You know, where can I go? Where can I get a job? Now, obviously, economic factors come into play. So you do have to get employment. Um, but you've got, if you do the evaluation first, it helps you focus and it helps you focus your energy and your efforts into the type of position that you want because, you know, looking for a position is a full-time job in itself. So you don't want to sort of do a purely kind of scattergun approach to it where it's just, you know, that's anything and everything. If you do the evaluation, it really helps and it helps when you're looking for positions and connecting or interviewing, you'll come across as more focused. So it's important to do that evaluation. Um, then I always say, you know, the, the, the next sort of thing to do is also, um, you know, consider what's your causal purpose. And I know sometimes it's hard to do that at a junior level because, again, your focus is I've got to get a job. I've got to get technical experience. I've got to get myself on my, you know, the career track that I want to be on. But mm-hmm. do consider that. And, and, you know, what I sometimes say is what's your why? Now, hmm. I'm a Simon Sinek fan. Okay. And so, um, you know, starting with your why, there's lots of good videos that he's done. Um, and this isn't just for corporations to evaluate what their purpose is, but for individuals as well. And again, and, and I have to say, I think uh, sort of, you know, the, the younger generations are a lot better at doing this. <laughs> you know, for someone like myself, it was like, okay, so I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm not sure how I decided that, but um, it was there to track. I'm just going to keep going. And, and, you know, the purpose, the why, the cause, what I enjoy doing didn't come into play until a lot later. And it was a little bit accidentally, which then uh, kind of caused me to shift my uh, career but uh, you know do try and and do that figure that out Um, and then once you've got that I do say write out a plan you know commit it to writing because um, if you do that um, and particularly when you've had sort of training that we've all had as, as lawyers we perform right we act on it so it's always good to have that list and that that sort of plan should set up what the overall vision is and what the objectives are career goals you know, what skills you need to take. Um, so if you do all of that, it gives you a, you can, it's, it's better to be able to do that. You can, you know, also ensure you've got correct information. There's a lot of information out there right now. I think there's overload, but uh, you, it helps you contextualize your information as well. So speaking to experts, getting advice is always important. So if you do that, and it sounds like a lot of work, but if you actually do that up front, um, the next stage of looking for a job becomes much more easier. It, it, it's so you're more focused. You, you go about looking for the positions in the right place. You speak to the right people to get more information. They can point you in the right direction. And so those things are, as I say, if you do that up front, um, it's important. And then really, you know, you've got to consider 
what type of opportunities that you're looking for, look for them online, speak to individuals, do networking, um, you know, have individuals that your firm that you articled at um, enlist their help and say, look, this is what I'm looking to do in my career. Are there individuals that you can put me in touch with that I can speak to you? Do you know of anybody that's looking? And, and But have some some you know concrete information which you would have done through your evaluation so they can actually help you as opposed to saying can you help me find a job please <laughs> um, so you know those things are it, it, that's when the focus it, it's really apparent when you meet with somebody that's gone through that and then done that as to somebody that hasn't and then that just because you haven't it'll cause you extra stress because you don't know what to focus on and what to do mm-hmm. um so that's sort of you know if, if for, and, and then you know you may need to take an opportunity to a position which may not be your ideal but it's going to give you the skills that you need to get to you to where you want to ultimately go so for example if you want to become a corporate lawyer and um you know at this point of your career obtaining the technical skills is incredibly important so you might look at law firms that are, say, if you want to, you're downtown and you want to, you know, you can look at firms that are outside of the downtown course and smaller firms um, where you know that the, those core skills, the technical experience, which is important when you've just qualified up to two to three years, you'll, you'll gain that. And so look for those types of roles or related roles that are, say, regulatory or policy roles. And, um, you know, even as sort of filling in as a gap, you can do document review roles and Deloitte's or Blake's InSource and Epic Systems, for example, have those types of opportunities available. So if you've got the focus, you can look at roles that are not I, exactly what you're looking for, but will give you experience to get you on your way to where you ultimately want to be. Mm-hmm. Makes such good sense. I mean, I, I and also see it in terms of ultimate job satisfaction when uh, a candidate finds a position. Uh, I can see how that would really help them or carve out a path that for them would be much more satisfying rather than just sort of, as a lot of us did back in the day, just take a job just because it was offered and then finding ourselves years later doing something that we realize we've never really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's right. I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, um, I've met with lawyers and uh, and my team has where they'll say, you know, they may be 10, 12 years uh, into their uh, career of being qualified and they'll say, you know, I always wanted to become an in-house lawyer. And um, I said, okay, well, how did you end up on this track? Oh, you know, this this family law position was offered to me. I took it and head down. Then I ended up going to another firm because they approached me. And here I am 12, 15 years later as a family lawyer. And I really wanted to become a corporate lawyer. (laughs) So, you know, it's... um, it, it, and that's an extreme example, but trust me, there are those examples around. So, and, and you know, we and, and things can change along the way. I'm not saying this is a track that you will always be on, and it, things can change, and, and absolutely. But if you know where you are, where you want to roughly be, you know, in, in the next sort of few years, um, you can focus on that, as I was saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You also mentioned uh, networking, and, and that's obviously always important, but are there any changes uh, to the way you you would suggest uh, people network now, given the situation? Yeah, it's interesting because networking is that word, I think, um, 
you know, use it a lot in, in the legal profession because it's important. And I think it's um, for many lawyers, and particularly for junior lawyers, so what does that actually mean? What do I have mm-hmm. to do? Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, many still have um, the impression that networking is walking into a cocktail reception, not knowing anybody and working that circuit, right? <laughs> so um, that's what often the thought is, but it, it's not. It's, it's really relationships. It's really um, building those relationships. Um, and, and, you know, they take time and, uh, and, and you know, you sort of plant the seeds and they evolve over time and, and, and you, you build them. And so, um, and, and, for doing that, part of it does and used to include attending events, and um, you know we can't do that so much now, mm-hmm. um, or at all right now. But um, you know, so the, and again, doing sort of the coffees and lunches that we've all you know um, advised to do early in our careers, you can't do as, as much, and that's, you can definitely do it when it's back. But one of the things that um, I always say about networking is that it's, it's relationship building, um, and and there are ways to to do that without having to go to those events and that is really staying connected staying in touch I mean I think LinkedIn is terrific for allowing you to stay in touch with your network first of all increasing your network having access to it um, and then staying in touch and, and knowing what people are doing and commenting on something that they've done or a presentation or an article or a comment that they've made about something so so LinkedIn for sure is a great way to, to stay in, in contact. But the other thing um, to do is, um, is, is really to, to, you know, look at, again, if you go back to sort of evaluating what, what you want, um, you know, look at areas of interest for, for you. It's a lot easier to, to network and, and build those relationships when there are some common interests and, and that, can be with obviously within law if it's areas of practice or um, you know those ones are, are easy um, but also just things on a personal level I mean if you've got a love for new technology you know being part of some of the the groups or attending webinars or get, making comments and sharing information that you may have collected or read about with your group of others that might be interested and you know, and I mentioned you technology as an example. It could be hiking, gardening, cooking, you name it, whatever <laughs> it may be. When you start connecting on that personal level as well, and I found through COVID, um, it's a lot easier to connect on personal levels, right? Because when we're not, we're, we're not sort of physically around so many people, um, and I found that uh, individuals all want to share their story, especially now. It's like, well, you know, we've all got COVID related stories or zoom horror stories as soon as things happening <laughs> while you know zooms on and um and so you know people share that and, and 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 even at a deeper level where people say you know if you say it's hard to ask the question how are you doing and you know because and I'm, when i'm asked that question i'm like you know today it's great <laughs> um because of these reasons but you know tomorrow i I don't know, there's so much uncertainty going around. And, and so, you know, people are connecting on a very personal level now and sharing stories that you wouldn't typically, if you've only spoken to, you know, your first time you're speaking to somebody. So um, connecting with those individuals and, uh, and, and, you know, growing your sort of network and, and doing it on the basis of you really are connecting, you're really building that relationship. It's not just looking for a job. Right. And, and those 
relationships that you build, um, you know, they can point you the right direction. They can connect you to people. They'll tell you, they'll, you know, have advice for your recommendations. So, so that's a different way of doing it than I think before. Mm-hmm. And it seems like ultimately the opportunities would be much more aligned with the person's interests because they've reached out to uh, organizations and people that they're truly interested in uh, and learning more about and they're sort of being more authentic and that is always so well received. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. bang on and that, that's a great word. I mean, you know, being authentic. And remember, um, these relationships and this network that you're building, it's going to carry you through your career and your life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it may feel now that um, you're, you're connecting to find these opportunities, but, you know, you're, you're keep in touch with these people and sometimes you can lose touch and then sort of, you know, um, pick it up later at different times. And so it's, it's a network you build. And if you build it on that basis, um, it'll really bode well for all of your career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, one thing I, I wanted to touch base on a little bit um, before, before we end, cause I recognize we're, it's been so much fun. The time is just flying by. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you know me, Shelley. I like to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I love to listen to you talk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is one thing about uh, sort of the, the new hiring process. I've heard that a lot of the interviews obviously are happening um, via Zoom and other sort of video conferencing uh, platforms. Are there any mm. sort of different... Um, sort of uh, tips that you might offer someone who is going to be doing a video interview as a candidate? Yes, I mean, it it really has shifted. I think, you know, I used to always say that uh, where where absolutely possible, you know, let's have in-person meetings. I wasn't a fan of of video interviews, and obviously, especially if you're doing international positions, circumstances are such that you can't avoid them. But, you know, they have all moved now to, to Zoom or or video and, um, and and we get this question a lot is, is how do you prepare for these um, interviews or what do you need to do and, and can you give us some tips and so one thing is is that absolutely prepare as you would normally for an in-house uh, sort of an in sorry in-person meeting um, you know you're likely to be asked the same kind of questions as I said what we found is that icebreakers um, you know, can often be commenting on somebody's background, um, mm-hmm. the backdrop that they've got or something, or, you know, how they're doing or how they've coped or, you know, funny story. And so you've got these icebreakers that are taking place now that we wouldn't have before. But I would say um, prepare for the interview as you would for a, an in-person meeting, you know, same sort of questions, have your answers and your uh, experience and ready to speak about yourself. Um, you know, always have sort of your resume um, handy. The, the advantage of Zoom is that you can um, you can have it there and, and refer to it, um, whereas in the meeting it's sometimes a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, make sure just before the interview, review the job description, read up on the company or the firm, and have some questions prepared for the interviewer. So everything you would do for a, a regular interview. The difference with um, the video interviews is that 
absolutely make sure your technology is working, make sure that your, your sound or your microphone, your camera settings, internet connection, you know, make sure there's lots of light not behind you so that it's blinding everybody and they can't see you, but, you know, light in front of you. Um, turn off all your technology so it's not binging and making sounds all over the, the place. Um, uh, so, so those things, obviously, in terms of technology. Um, the other thing I always recommend is, um, is you know, and, and these questions we get is, is what, how do you dress for them? Mm-hmm. And, and I always say, look, try and, and, and dress the part. Now, you don't have to put on a jacket and a tie um, for, for men, um, but, you know, do dress smartly it's important to do that um and uh, and you know it gets you into the right mindset but also you want to look professional um and so whether it's you know a shirt or a golf shirt or just just smart and you know is, is important to shirt for for women too but the other thing is 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 um is, is dress um, fully dressed appropriately. <laughs> so I, I mean, um, you know, you can imagine, but, uh, and I'll give you a quick example of, of an interview that I did. And it wasn't so much an interview, it was more of a meeting and I, I did it through Zoom and, um, and, and very professionally dressed. The individual was, was great and, and, you know, obviously everything was, was good, but, um, but had this sort of light behind the person coming through and, and it was, it was, you could see it was blinding. And, and he said, one second, I'll just close my blinds. And so when he closed his blinds, he got up and he was wearing pajamas that had Santa Claus on them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so, I mean, it just, you know, again, and I think he was, and as soon as he got up and started closing, he suddenly realized, and look, I made a joke about it. And he wasn't interviewing with me. It was a meeting that we were doing. Um, but, you know, that's just, it's, it's addressed the part, just in case something happens, you do need to get up. <laughs> Um, you know and so so that's always important um and the other thing is is um body language you know body language is always very important for sort of in-person interviews but um it is also important for uh, very important for you know video interviews as well i mean do look into the camera check your camera test it out do a test run with somebody and do look into your camera when you're speaking and if you do have notes etc um you know it's okay to to look down and refer to them but look up and 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 speak to them don't read off your notes if you're prepared so so that's um you know important and and, uh, anything you would do in a person meeting have good posture it allows you to breathe properly and you know be Slowly and clearly, I'm known to speak very fast, so don't take this as an example, <laughs> but, uh, you know, do, do so speak clearly. Um, so I think those are, are always important. And then the other thing is, is make sure that everything, um, once you've said your goodbyes, that you turn everything off before you make any comment to yourself oh, no. or jump up for joy if it went really well. And, you know, <laughs> do make sure that everything's kind of uh, turned off uh, afterwards. <laughs> That is such great advice. It's so funny you say that because yesterday I was on a call and the uh, person I was speaking with, I was, it was a, a Zoom call, they forgot to turn off um, their audio. They turned off the video, but not the audio. And I don't know how that happened. Okay. And oh my goodness. Yeah, it was, anyway, I eventually just left the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Dell, you have offered so much helpful information. Your wealth of knowledge is absolutely incredible. And just that you give up it so freely. I'm 
Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's any sort of last, um, you know, word that you want to leave listeners with, something that we didn't get to that you think would be important to, uh, to convey. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the, you know, it's, it's important um, if you are looking for a position, um, you know, it's important to stay positive. I know it's easier said than, than done. Um, do stay engaged and connected. Um, if you haven't got the message already, please do do that personal audit and your plan. It's incredibly important. If you're in gainfully employed as well, it's always important to do that to keep yourself on track. Um, so I would say uh, that, that for sure. And then, um, you know, do forge those meaningful connections and, and look after yourself. Incredibly important, as we know. So um, I can be reached through my email, gallopthecouncilnetwork.com, and obviously the Council Network uh, website. You can get in touch with myself or any one of my team members as well. We are here to help. Um, we have actually set up a special hotline for COVID because we were getting so many questions that um, we were we were picking questions and uh, answering them. And that that website is tcnhotline.com. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm definitely going to um, put links to the website in general and the hotline uh, in the show notes because I'm sure there's a wealth of information there uh, as well. So yeah, wonderful. That's fantastic. So many terrific resources and again, so accessible. So uh, thanks. And it was- You're welcome. Yeah. Great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the Excel Legal Podcast. I hope you'll tune in next time when I'll be talking to Jamie Jackson Spanhake, for real this time, about managing the competing obligations of our personal and professional lives, and her book, The Lawyer, The Lion, and The Laundry, Three Hours to Finding Calm in the Chaos. Before then, please reach out to me with your questions, topic ideas, and suggested guests for future episodes at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.